0: Jesus name. Beautiful. Hello. Hmm It's possible I will explode. There's been a lot of concern and conversations about this weekend if I would explode. <laughs> I'm feeling things. Man, I'm feeling things. This is astounding. This is absolutely astounding. Absolutely astounding. And I don't want to rush it. I like, just don't want to rush into to really good ideas and really great uh, inspirational things. I just want us to sit for a minute and just just feel them, Just acknowledge them, This is where you're at. If you've done it a hundred times, a thousand times, beautiful. If you've never done it before, just do it. Just sit and just recognize I promise you there is nothing in the the history of the world that feels the way it feels when the Lord walks in the room. When he comes and he breathes on something that you've been holding in your heart. When he's given you promise after promise and you're holding them in really exciting times and really dry, exhausting times and all you have to go on is his character and then <sighs> he walks in the room and he breathes on a promise oh, can't you feel that it's not something that human beings can conjure we can get enthusiasm going we can get really excited we can get we can get passionate we can we can I don't know other words that sound the same and mean the same things all stuff I just said. But there's nothing that brings life like the presence of the Lord. For me we're sitting in a moment where the Lord has breathed on promises. I look around the room and I see faces of people who've had promises and held promises from the Lord. For least summit They've been waiting for this day, and the Lord has just gone, (sighs) and he's breathed on it. Don't miss this moment. We cannot miss this moment with the Lord. We'd had a word in this transitional time as we were preparing as a people to engage a journey we didn't yet have language for. It was just a big mess around the table and, and 30 seconds of excitement and hours of confusion and pain and... I mean, it's real, real, right? And then, and then, you know, dreams and words are coming in. They're swirling. And the, the, Lord, the Lord gave a powerful dream through Julie. And it was gorgeous. And many of you were there. It was like the Wizard of Oz when we woke up. And you were there. And you were there. And it was gorgeous. Tim, you were there. It was excellent. And then this word came through. He said, he said I can't remember. He said, don't miss. Enjoy the, the dying sun." Is that Was that right? Enjoy the dying sun. And then we started in this nomadic journey. We had our first gathering weekend in homes. And it was so sweet and so profound. Didn't you guys love that? As we met in homes and we gathered and many people that you've been dreaming for and waiting for were in your homes and you were eating and enjoying and laughing. And we've heard that some people waited 40 years to see it, you know. And and then the Lord breathed on it again and he's doing it. And it was excellent and great. And then... You know, we were vulnerable to excitement to run forward, and I felt in my spirit, oh, we don't want to miss the dying sun, but Lord, let us not miss the moment of the rising sun. We're sitting in a moment where he is illuminating a moment in history. It's not the first time he's done it. It's not the last. I just don't want to rush this moment for us. Because heaven's been waiting for this moment. I don't say that arrogantly. I don't say it's like, thank the Lord we were all born and this and that. I'm just saying like we're each stewarding a moment in our history. As his people, as his body, we're hosting and we're, we're hosting him, and we're stewarding him in a moment of history, and he's inviting us to walk into it with joy and exaltation, but at his pace. And when the Lord moves in something new, his pace is good and gentle and sweet and profound. So again, I implore you: don't miss this moment. There are so many faces in this room that are not Nava, but their kingdom. I see so many faces that are not new beginnings, but it's his body, it's his church. Does that excite you the way it excites me? Now we can talk about what I really want to talk about today. was good. I feel edified. I imagine you're feeling edified. Let's get into it. <laughs> I just want to read some scriptures. If we can just soak for a minute in his word. Let's just soak in some of these. Just open your heart. Open yourself to receive from him. He's good. Let's just, let's get after it. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. That's Ephesians 2, 19 through 22. Colossians 1.8. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning the firstborn from the dead, that in in everything he might be preeminent. Ephesians 1, 22 through 23. And he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. blemish father son and holy spirit has been dreaming of this since before the foundations of the world he's been dreaming of this moment and moments like many others he could not contain himself in the beginning before all things he was so undone with the idea of a family, so undone with the idea of sharing the love that he was enjoying eternally in himself, three in one. He says, I can't stand it anymore. I have this great dream, and they are my body. They are a church. It is not an entity, an organization that is, that is encouraging and inspiring. We do all those things, and it's beautiful. But it's something that he dreamed would be joined with him. Spirit, soul, body. He, he, he couldn't imagine himself any better until he imagined you in him. This is the church. This is the body of Christ. This is the very thing that Jesus... Submitted himself to flesh, to humanity, to all things we're vulnerable to. And for the joy set before him, he endured the cross and he said, Oh, I long for them. I will get them so that where we have always been, Lord, they can be also. His body, his flesh, was violated. He was humiliated, spit upon, ripped apart, bled to the point of emptiness died, buried, rose again, sat down at the right hand of the Father, and then, in the fullness of time, he revealed his great dream. In Ephesians 3, Paul tells us that he's the least of all the apostles, tasked with one thing, to... To to put on display, to declare the riches of God. The riches of God made manifest through the church. The multicolored beauty and wisdom of God put on display through the church. This is his great, great dream. And then the son, so overjoyed, says, I am, I'm going, I'm going to, we're going to send the Spirit of God, and it's going to refine, and it's going to strengthen. It's going to equip. It's going to animate. It's going to bring life to all things that were dead, and I'm going to bring life to this body. Now, I'm just not going to put her on the earth, but I'm going to be the head over her. I and her, we're going to be one, and we're going to move as one, and we're going to think as one, and we're going to speak as one, and we're going to go on a great, redemptive mission. So that all things will become beautiful. Because Dad had a dream. We will see it accomplished. Is this not the gospel? Is this not the glory of God? From start to finish in the book. Yes? I grew up in the church in Lee Summit. I moved here when I was four. Uh, my folks got divorced. We, my dad and brother and I, moved to Lee Summit, and um, I grew up here. I grew up in Lee Summit, over on Todd George. Went to a few different schools in the area. Graduated from Lee Summit. As you know, it's grown over time. It's just an evolving, beautiful community. Really nice. Really, really sweet. And I could not wait to leave. I could not wait to get out of this community. It was so dull. I wanted to I wanted to be a, a rock and roll guy and you know and so I I did that thing for a bit and I'm like a, a band a band will get me there. And you know, a band got me some places, right? So I grew up in the church in Lee Summit, Lee Summit Community Church, beautiful church. I love that church so much. I love the leadership of that church. I, the, the first man I ever saw weep over Jesus was Doug Brown, an incredible leader in that church. Such a friend. The Lord's given us friendship. I, I don't deserve. It's a really, really screw. I don't know why he likes to chat with me. But it's awesome. We get together and pray and cry, and it's glorious. It's wonderful. It's great. And I grew up with a, with a, with a background in the church, and then I graduated, and then off I went to do the rock and roll thing. And, and, and journeyed in just my own journey for ten years, I think uh, as soon as I turned nineteen, I left Lee Summit, whew, bolted, went to any state that would take me, which you know weren 't many i 'd say I think you know, Nashville I went to and um, Washington, Colorado I just I just made a journey, I went on with it. I, I left the church it was I just went on with Jesus, right and then six years ago i'm Sitting in Pleasant Hill, 1230 at night. A little worse for the wear. (laughs) A little worse for the wear. And the voice of the Lord breaks in my bedroom. And he says, I've always been pursuing you. I will always come for you. I love you. And he just kept saying it over and over and over again. Understand, he and I were not hanging out at this time. We were not friends. But this was his great love that always pursues the unsavory and unpursuable And in that moment, I was just undone. I was just undone. When you have an encounter with the Lord, it's unlike any other. Romans 4 is profound. It says it's the kindness of the Lord that leads to repentance. Are you kidding me right now? That there's a kindness in the cosmos, there's a kindness that actually transforms lives. Does that trip anyone else out? I experienced the goodness of the God in this, the kindness of the Lord, that He would speak to me in the midst of brokenness. It was a profound, incredible encounter. That moment, I was undone, and I, I, I was playing guitar at a church at the time because I needed somewhere to stroke my ego. They obliged me. It was great. I did very well when I would show up, and they allowed it to be so. And, and I go in the next morning, and they say, Anyone have anything to share? You know, anyone have anything on their heart? And, you know, this guy raises, he's like I do. And, and, and I began weeping again, which is something I hadn't done in two years. I'd had a failed relationship in Colorado. My heart hardened. I hadn't cried in probably two years. I just began cr- crying. I said, I said, this is what the Lord said to me last night. Now I have to serve him for the rest of my life. It's beautiful. it's awesome. It's everything you hope for when you sit in meetings, when you're talking about the church. And these are encounters we want to have. And my man, this is really, really fabulous, right? This is what you want to see happen in church leadership. Am I right? You, you want these sorts of things. We want to know that our environment has been conducive for encounter. We want to know that our church is doing what the Father had in mind, saving people and bringing them in, and it's all groovy and good. It's awesome. It's great. It's beautiful. Excellent. And so I, I, I quickly start serving anywhere I can. I quickly just come into it, anywhere I'm available, just go. The Lord fast-forwarded my journey, and before long, I'm interviewing for a staff position. I'm so in love with Jesus at this point. I feel stirring in a call to the church. I can't imagine doing anything other than serving the Lord in his church forever. It's so, so awesome. I just, I just want to love Jesus all the time. I'm selling guitars. I'm looking up scripture on the computer and... Wow, you should be selling guitars, and it's great and holy, and it's, oh, it's wonderful, wonderful times, really, really beautiful. And, and, and nine months in, I'm interviewed, and I receive a position on staff at a church. Oh, this same church, incredible, I'm on staff, I, I get to love Jesus, I get to do it for a living, what could be better than this? Right? Stunning for a guy who'd been searching. So, and he lived happily ever after, right? Yeah. <laughs> a year and a half into my time at the church. A year and a half into my time at the church. The Lord invited me to a conversation. I love the conversations when you, you, you and him are not actually talking at the moment. Not because you're not on speaking terms, but you know, you're just doing things. You're not in the secret place. And the Lord just comes in with a statement. He's no respecter of person. I promise you, he's also no respecter of privacy because I was in the bathroom at the time. (laughs) My first introduction into the Lord really being committed to intimacy. He comes into the bathroom. He says, I want to be with you. I believe you. (laughs) And he says, would you quit your job if I asked you to? Because Sean would fire you if I told him to. That's a weird question. <laughs> but I gave a really holy answer. I said, absolutely, Lord. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I actually didn't engage the conversation. He likes to talk about stuff. I know we're so, we're, we're so, just tell me what to do. Give me commands. and I know we really think we love to be told what to do, but he's just not up for it. He just loves to talk and engage conversation. He likes to invite us into the process. He just enjoys it. He likes how you think. He likes how you sound. He likes to speak with you. Just a extra there. I didn't. En- I didn't engage the conversation with the Lord, and I went into eight months of turmoil, pain, frustration. Pursuing the Lord deeply, just getting revelation after revelation, loving his heart, falling more and more in love with Jesus, more and more in love with Jesus. And really appreciating the church. I loved my work, I loved my life. The Lord provided me an opportunity to love him professionally. I appreciated the church because God had brought me into a space to love him professionally. So I had an appreciation for the body. But I did not love her. I had not had a revelation of her. I didn't want a revelation of her. I wanted Jesus. I wanted to know that I was loved, that I was a son, that I was everything that I'd I'd heard that he said I was and everything that I hoped I was. That's what I wanted. And the joy of my life up to that point was to be paid to love him for a living. Oh. Friends. Proximity will not produce affection. It can't just be near David and love him. I didn't love what Jesus loved. I didn't ache for what Jesus ached for. I didn't know that was part of the deal. I thought I was his prize. And yes, absolutely so. But there's so much he bled for, so much he died for, and I didn't love her yet. So eight months later, I resigned. It's turmoil and tension. I couldn't think of anything else to do, and I just resigned. And I had no idea what I was going to do, but I said, okay, Lord, absolutely. I'll resign. Just because I couldn't take the pain anymore. <laughs> the place that I appreciated that was paying me to love Jesus was now questioning every bit of my work, my, my attitude, my integrity, my devotion to the church. My... What changed? <laughs> it was the squirreliest situation I'd ever been in. And I resigned. I finally put my chest out and said, Yes, Lord, guess what? Church, I am resigning. The Lord's calling me out. We have things to do, he and I. Where are you going to go? I have no idea. But he does. This was the arrogance in my heart. I spent two months in just resting, and then and I had this wild idea of, man, maybe I should go work at that coffee shop that I took so many meetings at. Man, that would be a really good ministry. And if I'm honest with you, I thought, I'm going to be here for six months. I'm going to learn what I need to learn. And I'm really going to show them. And then he's going to put me back in an environment that really loves me and how much time I want to spend on loving you, Jesus. They're going to give me the time and the resource I need to love you because everyone's really inspired by my love for you. A year goes by, no position. Lord, am I being punished? <laughs> what did I do wrong? You, you can imagine my headspace, everything I was feeling as I'm pouring lattes and I'm filling coffee cups and I'm and I'm doing the thing, man. I'm telling I'm telling everyone. I, well, I, you know, I, I was actually a pastor, but now now I'm now I'm now I'm pastoring this space here, you know. And that was really inspiring for people and really beautiful. And they really loved it. And they loved to come and talk to me. And, I, and I, was, I was loving it. I was having a great time with Jesus. But a year happens. Have I done something wrong? You've not put me back in the church. You've not, given, you've not put me back in that leadership moment. That's what you called me for, right? That's why you showed up in my bedroom, was to redeem me. You set me in purpose. I'm called to the church, To tell people, the great love of Jesus put on display in my life. And you can have it too. Just surrender yourself to him. A year and a half happens and I'm still at a coffee shop. Are you preparing me? Are you punishing me? What are you doing? What's going on here? Here's the deal. last three and a half years, the Lord has been taking the heart of a man, absolutely called to the church, but had no love for her. And he actually set her, set him in front of her, in her variety of colors, shapes and sizes, experiences, moments in history. I've sat behind a counter for three and a half years and I've looked in your face and I've heard your story. And I've cried with you, and I've laughed with you, and I've shared the things on my heart of the Lord, and I've learned how to hear the things on your heart that He's given to you. When I was in leadership before, I had an appreciation for the church because it provided me an opportunity to tell everyone the secret things He talked about. But as I've sat in the counter and I've actually beheld the church as a people, not a place or a building or a position. I've learned to listen to her, to be sharpened by her, shaped by her, shaped by you. So many faces in this room, I've, I've poured you coffee, I've poured you hot chocolates and chai on Wednesday nights as you were coming here two and a half years ago. I've watched you guys sit at a table as you learned how to finish high school well, learning to love Jesus. And I'll be honest, I arrogantly looked for my moment to deposit my wisdom, but in the kindness of the Lord, He kept me in that shop long enough that I might listen to the wisdom of the Lord through you. He's given me affection for the church. I've been beholding her in all of life. He's shifted my heart. To where I've cried, Lord, don't let my life be spent just inspiring. I want to transform. I want to see transformation happen, God. I want to love what you love. I want to ache what you ache for. Because you won't serve what you don't love. You just won't. You won't serve her. There's a witness that has to be engaged. Man, I remember first six months in that coffee shop. I'm there, and I'm my time doing my, I'm reading scripture, I'm feasting on it, and I'm saying, Lord, this least summon is. There's a church on every single corner. This this city should be radiating with Shekinah. It just should be thick with the presence. I've said this. I've said this to leaders in the church. I've said, oh, I've said this to leaders in the church, men and women who've labored in the city for ages, and here I come, and I say this city should be so thick with the presence. I should, I should walk slower. I, I should, it should be like walking through a pool. There's a church on every corner. We're not doing our job. I was so good at pointing out what the bride and body wasn't. The Lord has spent the last three years forming my heart, letting the scales fall from my eyes to see what he sees. Because when I see what he sees, I'll love what he loves, and I'll serve what he serves. Was a position in the church bad? Absolutely not. Was my leadership in the church bad? No, I don't think so. But my love for my own leadership, my love for my own position kept me from loving his body, serving his body, treasuring his body, bleeding for his body. I can't tell you how many perfect sermons I've preached over a counter. (laughs) Pouring a latte, handing out a pastry, hugging someone, someone coming at the counter, and you see it, and you just say it, I see you're hurting, he loves you, and he's with you, and I'll say, you don't have to rush this moment, I won't rush you away from this register, stay with me, and they'll cry, and we'll hold each other. No one's lost their job. No one's been pulled into an office. No one's been reprimanded. The Lord will make space for you to love his people in all of life, anywhere you are. But until our eyes are refined, until our hearts are renewed and refined, that the church is a people, not a building. We have said it for the last how many months? This has been the the heart of our church for 15 years. The the church is a people, not a building. The Lord has brought us to a moment where we're going to discover that in a new way. And he's inviting us into that space. He says, I want you to see what I see, love what I love, and serve what I serve. Now, each and every one of us is going to have something different we burn for. When the scales finally fall, we're going to see something that we've never seen before, and we're going to ache for it like we've never ached for anything. And it's going to be at the expense of your fame and your fortune and your comfort and your position and your opportunity. You're going to love it because he loves it. And if it's not bathed in his presence, animated by his Holy Spirit, then you're just going to die. This moment happened for me probably about two years ago. I was falling asleep, reading some scripture. Ezekiel, as you do if you want to fall asleep peacefully. (laughs) Nice nighttime stories. And I'm reading, and and I come to Ezekiel 34. Ezekiel 34, irresponsible shepherds. I'm, I'm asking you to receive this oil. I'm reading this, and he says, he says, Woe to the shepherds of Israel who feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flocks? You eat the fat and you clothe yourselves with the wool. You slaughter the fatlings, but you do not feed the flock. The weak you have not strengthened, nor have you healed those who were sick, nor bound up the broken, nor brought back what was driven away, nor sought what was lost. But with force and cruelty you have ruled over them. They're scattered because there was no shepherd and they became food for beasts of the field. When they were scattered, my sheep wandered through all the mountains and on every high hill. Yes, my flock was scattered over the whole face of the earth and no one was seeking or searching for them. Oh, it grieved me. Broke my heart. Not for the sheep. I was not grieved for the sheep when I read this. I was grieved for the shepherds. And I said, surely not, Lord. Not on this side of the cross. This cannot be. Because he says I'll require the flock's blood at their hands. Oh, God, let it not be so. It just struck me like I'd never been struck before. Maybe because I'd been in that role and I understood the life and the work and the the energy of the church. I knew the things that could get lost in the nature of doing the deal. I knew what it had been like to to appreciate the body but not love her. And the Lord just pierced my heart for the shepherds, for the church. I said, Lord, all I hear is friends wounded and broken in the body. It shouldn't be so. Oh, but what about the shepherds? If only they were whole. If only they were healthy. If if someone was loving them well. If we could just serve them, they're exhausted. They don't mean to. Let me love them. Let me serve them. I see mountains of them every day in the coffee shop. Surely not this side of the cross. Surely not in your body. That's just an example of when the scales fell out of my eyes. To see what he sees, to love what he loves, and to serve what he serves. I don't yet know how to do that fully. But this is the ache of my heart. As I said, I want to love your body. I want to love your church. It's beautiful because this Ezekiel 34 sits deep in the heart of our history and our family. The Lord gave this to, to Adam, and, and, and I think Dave, like the shepherd's sinner. It's Ezekiel 34. It sits at the core of our family. Grateful to be set in family. I spent the first six months to a year outside the church constantly pointing out what she did wrong. This is where she lacks. This is where she lacks. This is what she lacks. This is what she, she lacks. This is where she's missed it. This is where we've missed it. Man, if only they would do it this way. Oh, and the Lord's put me through a beautiful process for finding my heart. It, it doesn't take much effort to see what isn't, but it takes eyes in the spirit to see what could be. That walks into a wilderness in a wasteland and says, I know what it looks like, Look, church, I know how busted this is right now. But imagine what could be. Imagine what could be. What's the point? I believe the Lord has set our family on a journey to love his body, to love his body healthy, You can get every church in the world to agree on the sheep. We're all going to be in agreement and we never have to be in the same room to love the sheep. But we've got to be in the same room to love one another. We've got to be in the same room to serve one another. We've got to be in the same room to say, I know your journey and tradition looks like this and ours looks like this, but Jesus... And if I'm not healthy, you're not healthy because we're a body and he's the head. And all of us join together, all of our muscles and joints put together. That's a sign of maturity. It's a sign that we're growing up to look like our king. And when we live in unity, the fragrance of the Lord is released in such a way that he is irresistible. When the church lives in unity, the fragrance of the Lord is released in such a way that she is absolutely irresistible. Absolutely irresistible. It is our eyes, our heart that needs refining. And I believe this is going to be part of the work of the Lord in this nomadic journey. Our foundations are going to be strengthened. Our hearts refined. We're going to learn how to love the church by being loved by the church. We're going to make ourselves vulnerable to one another. We're going to sit with, oh, man. We came in this morning, or maybe 80 people, and the spirit of the Lord was so sweet. And it was uncomfortable, and it was different. Lord. Give me eyes to see what you see, love what you love, serve what you serve. My prayer is that the Father today would impart his heart to us. I don't know where you're at with the body. But my deepest desire is that you would allow the Holy Spirit to come in and reconcile your heart to the church. For it it is the bride of Christ, his very body, that he has spent every ounce of himself to make beautiful, to present to the Father and say, Just as we imagined, Abba, here she is. That he gets his inheritance in the church. He's worthy of his inheritance. Will we as a people surrender ourselves to the Lord in such a way that we'll allow the, what he loves to kill us so that he gets it? Maybe your heart, maybe when he moves, maybe when he moves, your heart won't be for the shepherds. That's okay. Mine was. The deep ache of my life is to see the leaders healthy, so the communities are healthy, so cities are turned upside down, and nations are presented to Jesus. But yours might be, Jesus, you love the little children. Oh my gosh, you love them so much. And I will spend everything I am to love them as well. I'll love them till it hurts. I'll love them till there's nothing left. And then I'll cry out for you to fill me afresh. And I will love them again. I will spend myself on everything you love in the kids. Maybe it is youth. Maybe it's art. Maybe it's business. Because the Father has an economy. He loves these things. He has a kingdom, a way of life. What might it be that he's going to open your heart to love? Here's the deal. We learn his affection for things in this secret place. You cannot love what he loves without letting him first love you whole and healthy. So our first step in this nomadic journey is to surrender our hearts to him and say anything in here that doesn't love you, do it in me. I want to love what you love. And he says, son, I love you. I have to love you healthy so we can go and love people healthy. That's our first step. Everyone stand up. We're going to have a time of response. And we don't do this lightly. This isn't just because this is some awesome thing that we, we teach and it's helpful and people have been sitting for 30 minutes 35 minutes, I may have landed the time right, I don't know. But this isn't just so you can stretch. This is a posture of active engagement. Surrender is not a passive activity. It will require all of you to be present, to surrender all of you. Some places we're going to, to engage so that we can join him cleanly on this nomadic journey. And the first invitation I want to give is anyone whose heart is just hurting. Maybe this word about loving the church is too painful because you've sustained so many wounds by the bride, you have no interest in being a part of her. Perhaps you need to be healed so that you might be sent to be a healing salve. And the places that wounded you. So Lord. If that's you. I just want you to be able to. To raise your hand openly. This is not a secret thing. We are family. We are our body. We enjoy it. If you're just saying Lord. I need you to love me whole and healthy. I can't love your bride. Because she has hurt me. And I need my heart healed. I want you just to. Put your hand up. There's no fear or shame. I was wounded by the church. I was 19 years old. And I was going to a trial for vandalism. I didn't do it. I was in the wrong place at the wrong time at PetSmart. (laughs) And because I looked a certain way, people called the police. And we were going to trial in Nashville. And I called the church. I said, I can't even afford a lawyer. Help me. They're saying 11 months to 30 days is the maximum they can give. And the church said, Oh, man, this is really just for, like, electric bill and groceries. Absolutely good need, but that wasn't my need at the time. The church wasn't there when I needed her. She hurt me. And I carried that wound. And I said, I love you, Jesus, but I don't love your church. Not possible. It's biblically unacceptable. It's relationally intolerable. So if you've been wounded by the church and you want healing, he is good to forgive. Open your hearts. Open your hands. Just say, Lord, I receive you, Spirit of God, to love my heart back to life. I receive you, Spirit of God, to fill my heart to overflowing. I acknowledge that I cannot love without first being loved. I cannot love your church while I still am angry at her. Oh, Spirit of God, as you can, I don't want to manipulate anyone in this room, but if your heart's ready, I surrender my anger to you. I surrender my pain to you. Thank you, Lord, for your healing touch. Holy Spirit, we welcome you to begin the healing work. Begin to move around the room, Holy Spirit, and we trust your healing word. If that's where you're at, I want you to stay in that posture. Just stay in that place of the Lord. You don't have to rush it. It's essential. Next invitation of response. And this whole space is available if you just want to come and respond. Respond in whatever way the Lord prompts you. Say, Lord, I'm not angry at your church, but I've spent a lifetime appreciating her. I've been loving you and I've been appreciating your body. I don't know how to love her. I don't know how to love her. I don't know how to love what you love because I can't see what you see. So I want to be reconciled to you, Holy Spirit, in my love and affection for the church. If you would like to surrender yourself afresh to the Holy Spirit, to receive love for the body of Christ, then just... Open your hands and begin to receive from the Lord. Begin to receive from the Lord. Hear his sweet tenderness. Ask him to say, what do you see in your church? What do you see in her? Ask him to reveal his heart for his bride to you. Yeah, 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 yeah. If that's where you're at, I want you to stay in that space. Last invitation. As we're on this nomadic journey, the Lord's going to be prompting. He's going to be stirring. He's going to be unearthing things. He's going to put language to deep aches and desires you've had. Ways that you you want to partner with Him in loving His bride, loving His body. I believe even in this moment, He's going to release that to you. He's going to release that because He's not going to withhold His love and affection for things from us. So I just want you to surrender yourself to the Lord. Say, Lord, where have you uniquely made me? To love what you love. What part of your body do you want to reveal to me that I might serve and treasure? Maybe, maybe it's a, a ministry in the church. Maybe it's a thing. Maybe it's an actual church across town. <laughs> maybe there's a, a church he wants you to pray and love. When no one's watching, you just ache for her and cry out for her. Lord, don't move us one inch until that church is healthy and knows your love. We can't afford to move forward without your whole body. Ask him. I want to love what you love, Jesus. This is your bride, your body. You've taken us, Lord, on a journey, a nomadic journey, where we're going from house to house, and it looks like church to church. Not just a sharing of building, but a sharing of time and hearts and space. We want to see one another. We want to hear one another. We want to learn from one another. We want to love one another. He is a good shepherd. You have a track record of not losing any that's been given to you, Jesus. We want to join you in this great work. Yeah, we love you, Jesus. We're going to hang here just for a second. Just finish business with the Lord. Let's just step into that place. Yeah. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. We want to see what you see, Jesus. Love what you love. And we want to serve what you serve. Yeah. Yeah. Feel no rush to leave this room. Tarry as long as you want in this space. We also want to Invite you to grab a hand. Grab a hand, of the person next to you. This is the way we always end our gatherings. So, if you've never been to a Nava gathering, we love you, your family. What a pleasure to journey with you. You're most welcome. This is where we come together and we say the Lord's prayer. It's where we end every gathering. We commit our hearts to His heart and pray as He taught us to pray. Amen? Yeah. Let's do Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come.